Been praying all week over there about today, and um, you know the night that God healed me, uh, He told me to take off my shoes, and you can see I've taken my shoes off. And not since that night has He ever said to me that the ground is consecrated up here, but it is today. And there's four things that I believe that he wants to heal today, and that is anxiety, abandonment, abuse, and I cannot remember the other one, so hang on a minute, four A's, addictions. And I'm going to ask you to put your, put your iPhones and your iPads and your stuff away. Because we sort of miss it. And anyway, you might get told off because a wee while ago I was sitting down the back taking notes on my iPhone and the lady next to me thought I was texting. (laughs) She got really mad at me and said, why do you come if you're just going to (laughs) text? So I might think you're texting and you're not actually listening to me. So, okay, let's quickly pray. Father, I pray today that the words taught to me by your spirit... I draw on the power, Lord, of my face-to-face relationship with you. Please put a guard on my mouth. I do not want to speak any word except what you want. Father, may your power be released today in Jesus' name. Okay, well, it's an honour to be alive and it's an honour to be healed. There was a, Every day when I was in Samoa, it was like, kept saying to my daughter, wow, six years ago I was sick in bed, pretty sure I was going to die. I mean, this is awesome. She got really sick of it by the end. She goes, yes, (laughs) mum. But it does feel like that. Okay, so we're going to throw the slideshow up, please, Johan. I want to tell you a story today, and it's my story. And see that withered wineskin up there? That's how I felt. October, November, December, January, February, March, April? What are we now? May. Yeah, April. (laughs) I whinged and moaned and groaned and was in a really withered, dry space. I read scriptures like live carelessly in the care of God in Matthew 6, but I wasn't feeling it. Greg was speaking about the closer that you get to God, the more you experience his power in your life. Yeah, a little bit. Sort of had little trickles now and again. But when the discipleship training group thingy, leadership thingy came up, I started to panic. And I had a lot of anxiety. Because I got put in a group with people I didn't know except for one person. And I literally freaked. I wanted to be in a group with people I knew. And it wasn't because I didn't want to meet new people. It was because I did not have room, I thought, for anyone new in my life. When I wrote out all the things I was doing and I put them in these little black balls, (laughs) they felt very black. I had 40 things 
And I was anxious. I started to have little panic attacks. And so on the day that the leadership thing went, I rang Greg and pulled out. And when he said to me on the phone, well, you know, if you press into God, then I think, I go, it's not my experience, Greg. <laughs> At all. <laughs> and he was pretty gracious. <laughs> probably because he knew if he said anything else, I probably would have sworn. <laughs> Next slide. I felt like that. And poor Phil was hearing about it on a daily basis. <clears throat> I was weepy and I was tired. And the best and the biggest thing I wanted to do was to pull out. I wanted to isolate myself and I did not want to sit here with you. <laughs> I wanted to go and sit in the back row at a rice because I think it's a really cool church. Our daughter goes there. I, I get on well with her kids, you know, her friends. They're like my second kids. I could be anonymous, reap up the blessing, give nothing back. Sounded great. So every day I said to Phil, why don't we swap churches? Why don't we just go there? No, I don't like it here very much. It's too hard. Greg's like sandpaper. He rubs me up the wrong way. He challenges everything in my thinking. I don't really like that much. Love him. Don't like that. My husband is very long-suffering. <laughs> The thing was, my busyness for God was getting in the way of my relationship with God. We are never intended to run around doing stuff for him. We're meant to live this relationship with him, from him. He is the source of our relationship. So what I want to share with you is how I got from there, ready to abort, to here. Okay, 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, when I preached last year about being the fragrance of knowing Christ, and then there's another scripture further on, a couple of chapters later in 2 Corinthians, it says that we have those pretensions and arguments that actually prevent us from being that fragrance. So I asked God, do I have any? <laughs> yes, I have lots. And so do you. But we don't talk about it much. And they're underneath and they frame our actions. And if we don't examine them, we're seriously, seriously not going to walk this walk of intimacy. And we will not delight in God because we can't. Because it's like we have dirty sunglasses on and we can't see through to him. And my pretensions were survivor's guilt. God healed me. One of my best friends, like my godmother, has got MS and she's in a wheelchair. A woman I prayed for in Mexico had a vision at 3 a.m. in the morning that she was going to be healed, that her colostomy bag fell off, that she was healed. We, I did everything God told me to do that I felt had to happen, and she died. And deep down in the recesses of my heart, I felt so guilty that I had to earn the right to be healed. I wasn't really aware of it, 
but I had to be a good girl. Another one was check out syndrome. So when the going gets rough, I might not check out in my body, but in my head and my heart, I'm gone. I might go and find a flat and live all on my own if Phil does something I don't like, because I don't need anybody really, I can just live all by myself. And I don't need you guys, I can just go and sit in the back seat of some church, they'll be nice to me. But it's false. There's no intimacy in that. Phil is part of my heart. When I said, when God convicted me, he said, do not indulge in that. If you're here, be here. If you're not going to be here, go. Because frankly, if I'm married to my darling husband, then I need to be with him. Right? Not in my head when he does something I don't like, like squeeze the toothbrush from the wrong angle or <laughs> then think that, oh well, I don't I don't really need anybody anyway. I'll just live on my own. Get the point? So I want to show you a video and um, it'll explain what I want to say. And the reason that I've shown you this is because the Lord showed me that that's what I was like. He had healed me in my body from being in a wheelchair. But the pretensions and the mindsets and the checking out was keeping me right in there. And some of you here today are also spiritually in a wheelchair. And I just know that the Holy Spirit wants us to be set free from that today. We need to be in the sea in the flow of the Holy Spirit, if the sea is the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't want us tied to a chair. He wants us to be free with abundance and fullness and life. So when you want to check out, check in. You know, the battle is in our minds and I think we tend to forget that. Satan wants us to be isolated. He wants to steal our joy. He wants to steal our peace of mind. And he most of all wants to steal our unity. If he can do that, then he's pretty much got us chained in the wheelchair. And the reason for that is that we lose perspective. We need the non-judgmental encouragement and clarity of our brothers and sisters when we're struggling. And I wouldn't be standing here today unless I had checked in. And I've got to be honest, the Sunday morning I came, Danny said hi to me over there and I bolted to the bathroom. <laughs> and then I came and it just everything in me to stay here. And I sat just there and I actually held her hand <laughs> like I was four. Because the impulse to check out was so strong. 
I felt such a failure that there again I got so addicted to my work, so busy, that I'd missed it. And when I came forward for prayer and the elders prayed for me, all I saw in their eyes was love. All Danny showed me was love. All Greg showed me was love. There was no recriminations that I hadn't led the group and I hadn't gone to the weekend. Just grace. And it's sitting there waiting for us. But I nearly didn't take it. I nearly got offended and left. The message says you're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over by the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You're going to need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. That Sunday, after the elders prayed for me, Bella came up and she said, the Lord's given me a picture and Papa is giving you a present. It's like, ooh, <laughs> wonder what's inside. So the next morning when I got up early and started to pray, I asked God what's inside the gift. And inside was a drum, a clock, and a pot of honey. And what he's unraveled since then is that each of those has a prophetic symbolism. And this is the first time I've ever shared something as intimate as um, what I believe God has in my own one-on-one time with him. But I really sense that the prophecy or the prophetic vision wasn't just for me that there's some of you who need, the, need to put these principles in place. So you with me? Okay. Okay, a drum has rhythm. When I asked Papa what the drum represented, he said it was his heartbeat, heartbeat of grace. Don't you love that? And that he actually wants us to get so close to him that we put his head right up next to his and we hear his heartbeat. Not just when we're with him first thing in the morning, but throughout the day, throughout the night. Song of Songs says, while I was sleeping, my heart was awake. I love that. While I was sleeping, my heart was awake. So I've started asking him for my heart to be awake to him while I'm sleeping. Because there's double blessing, I reckon. You get it all day. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or or fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I heard a story about a man who uh, sculpted, a a sculptor, who sculpted a beautiful horse. And a young girl came up to him and said, how did you you create that? How did you mould that? And he said, no, I never moulded it. All I did was cut everything else away that wasn't the horse. And in my busyness, I had to cut away all the stuff that wasn't of him. 
And Greg said in that morning service, hated him for it at the time, he said um, that Jesus, uh, what was it? Jesus was sent, but he didn't go to those just that he saw. So sent, not seen. I was trying to meet everybody's needs. I was trying to be everything to everybody. And it's impossible. And it wasn't what God wanted. So there were a whole lot of marble in my life that was stopping the horse from being revealed. And while I'm talking, Holy Spirit, I ask that you help people here this morning realize the stuff that's stopping the horse from being revealed. The other part of the drum was to bring everything to him in prayer. Pray without ceasing. I pray about everything now. Every person, every part of my work, every team. I'm a professional developer. Every team I'm working with. I pray about coming here. I pray about, I pray about everything now. Nothing is out of the realms of prayer anymore. And I am seeing amazing things happen. So I want to share with you a story. I work with someone, and uh, I'm a palangi white girl from Nelson, right? And um, two years ago, I didn't even know anyone from the Pacific. And when God said he was sending me to work with Pacifica, I thought he was going to send me to Fiji on a holiday. (laughs) And then one month to the day, I got asked to project manage uh, uh, governance and management Pacifica project in Manukau and down here. And um, that's about 18 months ago. Anyway, I'm in this Aonga Mata, which is a Samoan language nest, and um, they do not want me to be there. And um, all due respect to the lovely Samoan amongst us, don't take offence to my words. However, you do know when Samoan women, particularly older ones, do not want you there because they're like, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, I'm skinny when I'm with them, so it's, (laughs) (laughs) and there is just, (laughs) and I'm sitting there thinking, well, in the natural, I might as well walk out the door because if teachers you want to teach do not want you to be there, They don't want to learn, so there's no point in saying anything, is there? So I sent up a prayer to the Lord and said, Father, you are going to have to give me the words. Uh, Bill Johnson talks about demanding of the Holy Spirit from the relationship we have with him, like making a bank withdrawal. So I said, Father, you know that I've prayed for every part of my life lately, so I'm asking you to please transfuse this transform this situation. I do not know what I said. I have no idea. But the power of the Holy Spirit was so thick in that room that by the end, we're best buddies. That is God. And that is what happens when we pray without ceasing. So that's not the compartments that we have. You know, us Westerners, we interdualism which was this big change where we split the Holy Spirit and the physical. But it's not how we're meant to be. And what I'm finding now is the compartments that I had in my life are merging, fading and disappearing. And that's how we're meant to walk. So it makes no difference if I'm on my couch 
in my face-to-face time with God, whether I'm here or whether I'm working or whether I'm in Samoa. The third thing that the drum represented to me was that when I have the heartbeat of God, when I'm conforming to his pattern, I can learn to respond with the energies of prayer. So when I went on slap somebody, instead, he's giving me the ability to say no, and he's giving me the ability to respond in a godly way from my new nature, not my old nature. When we live with those pretensions and those wrong mindsets, we literally live in our old nature. And there is no power in that old nature. None at all. And we learn to live with abandonment and anxiety, addictions, the effects of abuse, and we think it's normal. And we literally think that's how it is. And we normalize it. But why should we live without greatness? When he wants to give us abundant, fresh, huge life and joy. I am doing around about, I reckon, twice what I was doing in March, April. I've been awake since 3.30 this morning and I feel like I've had 24 hours sleep. That is God. My life is a testimony to what God wants to do. And I'm talking full healing, not just bodily healing out of the wheelchair, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally, holistically. Okay, can you please throw on the next? Aristotle says we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then, thank you, is a habit, not an act. (laughs) If you only pray now and then, if you only read your word now and then, then that's not excellence. And it's doubtful whether we can call on him in those times of stress because we actually don't have very much resilience in the relationship. It would be like if I saw Phil once a month and then I demanded heaps and heaps of intimacy and love from him. In the end, he would get fed up. No different between us and the Lord. Philippians 4.9 says, Put into practice what you have learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. And you know, part of my stress has always been, how do I know how to follow the will of God? Sometimes I felt like I'd have a magnifying glass and I'm trying to search out his footprints. And if I follow the footprints, then I'll get the will of God right. Does anyone else experience that? Like there's a right way and a wrong way. Get it wrong, you're stuffed. Get it right, you're lucky. (laughs) But that scripture in Matthew describes God as his most excellent harmonies. In Ephesians, it talks about the manifold wisdom of God. And manifold means many, many many-coloured, variegated, (laughs) 
God is the symphony orchestra. He's not one single note. And Romans 8, 28 says that he will work everything together for his good. So if I make a mistake, I don't have to be anxious about it. I just need to pray and say, made it, stuffed it, missed it, and then believe that he will bring it into good. And that has taken a phenomenal amount of anxiety off my shoulders. And what I'm learning is when we do the little obediences, the tiny, tiny little ones, that he takes those and he weaves them together. So the more that you learn and I learn to obey in the little, little things, they build together. And in Psalm 119 it says that we live with one long, obedient response. I love that. If that's the goal, that's made up of fractions and fractions and fractions of little obediences. So you need to hear the heartbeat and obey the impulses. I'm finding now in my pre-times I get all sorts of ideas, ideas for assignments, ideas for how to take a workshop, ideas to send someone a card, all sorts of things. I used to think they were distractions. Now I realise he's talking to me. Isn't that amazing? Okay, let's throw the next one up, please. Do you know, I'm 47, and it wasn't until I read Clay's Ignite Night um, content that I understood that we were called to be in a divine dance with God. Somehow, that went past me. And God literally wants us to partner with him. And I absolutely love that. 2 Peter 1.4 says, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, partakers is the Greek, and the Greek word for that is koinononos, and that means partner, companion, sharer in anything. So if we go back to that, it says that, so by them, you may become partners, companions of the divine nature. Isn't that astounding? That he literally wants us to walk by this. So we're really hoses, <laughs> We're conduits. The picture I have now is that I walk with one hand in my father's and one out, hand out building his kingdom. And building his kingdom's not building the rock necessarily. I've shared my testimony at university in the staff lounge. The Lord told me to share my testimony at a workshop in a brand new Aonga Mata recently. <clears throat> and uh, one of the women cried. That's my work. I would never have done that before. I sort of might have prayed for my staff, might have prayed for a situation that was gnarly. But now those boundaries are going away. But I might end up on the Dominion or in prison, so I hope you come visit me. <laughs> okay, the next image, please. Okay, a clock. Okay, so I said to the Lord, what is the clock? And in the spirit, I got the clock. 
and it had a crazy syncopated rhythm. I was like, this is a dumb clock. All over the place. I can't use this clock because it doesn't keep time. And he said, I have time enough. I am above, beyond, in, out, over, under. I am. He is time. So he has time enough. What it means that I don't have enough time, it's because I'm doing a whole lot of stuff he'd never asked me to do. Ephesians 5.11 says, Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose these things for the sham they are. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you have. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly or unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. So, true story. One morning, I'm expected up at Paraparam to visit a centre. And um, when I was praying with the Lord, it was like getting near to seven, and I was like ready to, you know, have some breakfast, feed the dog, you know, get dressed, shower, you know, how you do. And I knew that to get from our place to Paraparam takes 56 minutes. So I'm, you know, tracking back as you do, right? And I felt the Lord say, don't go yet. I'm like, well, I sort of have to. And he has no. So I carry on reading and the word and, and um, soaking in it. And the time I'm out the door, it's 8.26 when I get into my car. And I'm like, ooh, okay, this is stressful. And I could feel those old feelings of anxiety starting to raise. And I know the student's going to be waiting, the centre's going to be waiting, da 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 do you know what time I pulled into the car park in Paraparam? It was 8.55. Now, I did not go 200 kilometres an hour. <laughs> I watched that speed. I did go 100 virtually the whole way. That's impossible. But God is outside of science. If he has the power to heal me from complex regional pain syndrome then he has the power to provide me with more than enough time. And he does have that power because I'm only here today because he healed me. If you need healing, then you need to run up here when it's ministry time. We need to run to church when we feel confused. i tell you something. We are very blessed to have Greg. Do you know why? Because I've said some really hard stuff to him in the last couple of months. I've stopped being the good girl now. I've said it nicely, I think. However, some hard stuff. <laughs> and he has never reacted negatively. So if you're not happy about something, if you're confused about where we're going, if it's apostolic gift, is like sandpaper and it's rubbing you up the wrong way, go and talk about it. Because I can guarantee you he will listen. And he is not paying me to say this either. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. No, no. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> okay. You could keep this slide up, thank you. So if we, what you're going to be given now is some honey. And 
The pot of honey, I'm not going to tell you yet what it represents. But what I want you to do is take a little bit of honey, take a stick, swallow the honey. And then I want you to share with your neighbor a time of great delight in your life. It could be with your children, could be with your partner, could be with God, anything. Okay, swap if you haven't swapped it yet. You've got to make sure you hear your partner's story. Thank you. Do you have a story? Uh, probably the best moment is when I ask Jesus question tomorrow. Awesome. Born again, you know, straight yeah. away. Yeah, there isn't much to do that. Oh spiritual warfare went on inside me beforehand though. Okay, coming back to me. Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Job 22. Now remember, Job is covered in sores when he says this. So sore that he scrapes himself with hard pottery. So he's not in a fantastic physical space. And he says, submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. Accept instruction from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be restored. Surely then you will find delight in the Almighty and will lift up your face to God. I don't think really until now I've truly experienced the delight of God. I had delight in my children, delight in my husband, delight in some friends. But he is waiting to delight in us. And he wants us to delight in him. And recently, we went up for the formal adoption of our niece, Frankie Rose. And um, it's 4.31 in the morning. I remember it because I glanced at the stove. And I'm making bacon and egg pies for the lunch. And I experienced such delight from the Lord that I had to go sit down for a little bit. (laughs) And I was like, oh... When we listen to his heartbeat, when we learn to live in the rhythms of grace, when we trust him to have enough godliness over our time, then he is longing to give us the honey of delight. And he's longing for us to enter into that divine dance with him so that we can be more, more of him, more faith, more love, more peace, more abundance, more. 
the next. This is how I believe that we're meant to walk with God, hand in hand. If you show the next one, I love that. And that's how we're meant to meet our deadlines and meet our work commitments and meet our, all the demands that are on us, simply with our hand in the Father's, trusting Him. And there's another aspect to this that's critical. Is that an undisciplined, self-willed life is puny. This is in Proverbs 15. But an obedient, God-willed life is spacious. And Psalm 37 says, The spacious, free life is from God. It's also protected and safe. God strengthened, we're delivered from evil. When we run to him, he saves us. John 8:36. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Romans 8, 5 to 8. Those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. What that means is we can be super spiritual here and we are zilch influence out there. Sometimes we're not even nice to each other in here. Let's be straight. No wonder slavery is on the increase. No wonder we are seeing such huge levels of murdering of our children in our country. No wonder one in four children are abused. No wonder one in four marriages fall apart. We have a responsibility to step into that place with intimacy because the world is dying around us. And I do not want me or any of you to stand in front of God at judgment day with blood on our hands like it talks about in Ezekiel. We do not live this Christian life for our own self. We do not live this Christian life for our own self. We do not live this Christian life for our own self. And when we pull away from one another, we miss out on having our spirits lifted. We miss out on the chance of receiving correction. And I want to read you two texts that I got. And I love this. So I'm feeling in the midst of this angst and anxiety. And someone I'm mentoring sends this to me. Hey, you are an awesome asset to any environment he calls you into. And I am honoured to call you friend. Christ in you has danced into my life, touched me, changed me, challenged me and grown me, all the while loving me. You are amazing. Thank you for allowing your measure of him to bless me. And at the time, I was feeling so unworthy. And she sends that to me. <laughs> and in Samoa, I'm writing a Pacifica leadership model. My Pacifica <laughs> Samoan business partner, if you like, 
He's at a funeral. Now, when Samoans die, the whole city stops. <laughs> the rallies. You know, there is no work done. What I'm learning is they're entirely relationship-based. And I'm like, I have to write it on my own. A white girl from Nelson, two years in. And in my ear is, who do you think you are to do this? The recurring theme in my life has been, who do you think you are? The night after I was healed, Satan appeared by my bed. And I found this hand came down in front of my face like this. And I could see black demons flying in the air above me. And my hair is swishing. And I look at Phil, and he's asleep. And the curtains are billowing, but the windows are shut. And this hand comes down in front of me, and I look, and I think there's a burglar in the room. And he looked a little bit like David Copperfield, actually. I'm not saying David Copperfield is, do not misunderstand me, but he did look a little bit like that. Really gorgeous suit, very darkly handsome. And he leaned over me and he said, who do you think you are? And every secret sin, every fear, every, everything that I felt bad about myself, he threw at me. And unfortunately, I did not remember the scripture, go away in Jesus' name. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, all I could remember was, no, I'm a daughter of the king and the battle is the Lord's. That's all I could remember in that pressure. So I had to put up with it till dawn. <laughs> and then I woke Phil when they disappeared. And he said, why didn't you wake me up? I would have prayed with you. And, you know, I couldn't keep my, take my eyes off him for one second. Now you might think I'm a loon or a little bit deluded that I'm talking to you about Satan. But that is no less miraculous, no less true than the fact that the night before God healed me of a nerve disease that was incurable. I'm telling you, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Satan wants to steal our unity. He wants to fragment us. He wants us to isolate. And he does not want people here free from the effects of abuse or addiction. But the thing is, we have to get off our seats. We have to run up to him. When you don't want to come to church, when you don't want to go into his presence, shame, fear, hurt, disappointment, all those things stop us from running to the Father. But he is standing like this, calling us as his children to come so close to him that we hear his heartbeat. I'd like to play the last YouTube, just a couple of minutes of it. I know we're out of time. <laughs> Greg helped me, helped me fine-tune this, but it's still um, a little large. But I'd like just to watch um, a little bit of this YouTube clip. 
don't step up, when we isolate away, can you just put that picture back on for me, please? Every single one of those drummers had their part to play, right? Every single one, from the guys who are doing the cymbals to the guys who are doing the things. All of them have their own part. And when we isolate away or we abort the procedure of going through the fire, when we pull away because we get confused, then literally we let the rest of the drummers down. Because we're meant to be in a band doing the same rhythm. Different parts of the rhythm, the apostles had their part, the prophets had their part. We all have our part to play. But the band needs every one of us. And as the musos start playing, I can assure you that the ground is consecrated up here. But the night I was healed, I so thought about not going forward. What if I'm not healed? What if I let other people down? I'm not healed yet again. And I wouldn't be standing here with you now unless I got out of my seat. But you know what? I'm going one step further and I don't actually care whether anyone comes or no one comes, whether you all come. But if you know you need healing from abandonment, abuse, from addictions, anything else, any pretension that you hold. You might have good girl syndrome like I did. You might have check out syndrome where you want to take off when things go bad. You might be scared of having uh, intimacy. Then I'm asking you to take your shoes off and then come up here. You might just realize that you've never experienced the delight of God. You might realize that you don't know the Holy Spirit as a person. You might be living two lives, one life in here and one life outside. Whatever you need, our Father is standing here waiting. So let's be outstanding. I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, I ask for your power here today. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us. Papa, thank you for your grand design, for us having a part to play in your band, in your divine dance, in your partnership. Thank you for the privilege we hold to be here with you today. And Father, I ask now that your Holy Spirit, your glory, your faith, your love would pour out of an open heaven, but only up here. Father, I pray that it would fall and lap. And ah, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, the fruit of your word.